Kim Barrett is a legendary marketer. In fact, he was the first marketer that I hired back in the day. The dude is really, really good and I love working with him and his team. Uh, I actually coach Kim at the moment as well. And so, I really wanted to get him on to just talk about his mindset, the way that he thinks, where he came from and how he got to where he is. He runs a multi-seven-figure agency. He mentors a whole lot of agency owners, like marketing agency owners on how to grow their businesses. And he's just a very, very smart thinker. And I think that you guys will enjoy his philosophy on life and his outlook and how he actually got to be so successful. And we're live. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, dude, I've, I've really wanted to get you on. I was talking to Gosen about you and Matt, like both of them, and, and then your name popped up. I was like, fuck yes. Like, I've got to, I've definitely got to get Kim to come. It's like, it's like going full circle, man, because I don't know if you even know this. You were the first person that actually made, like, your social voice. You guys were the first people that taught me, Mark, and actually got my business oh, pumping back in the day. Like, my first 10K week was with you guys. That was. Oh, you didn't, didn't, you didn't tell me that at the time, man. I would have celebrated that much harder. Yeah. I'm- <laughs> probably should have. I was very secretive of my wins back in the day. I didn't tell anyone, dude. Like I didn't, I had, I had someone sign a non-disclosure agreement right back then because that when I was talking about my income, because I thought that $500,000 a year was a lot of money. I kid you not. But anyway, funny, funny story. But yeah, but back to you. Yeah. You like the first person to you, you and your social voice were the first people to help me like really grow my business. I'd love to start with looking at like what you're doing now, man. Like what's the story in terms of business? How, how many employees you got, you got, have, have you got, how's it growing? What are you doing? Like, where are you guys at now? Yeah, so we've got about 12, uh, 12 team uh, at the moment um, and always on you know on the hunt for great people. So probably another one or two kind of in the wings that we're looking to bring on when we find the, the right type of person to help us out. So they always said, it's like, don't always have jobs, but always be hiring was uh, someone told me that once. I can't remember who. And I was like, I like that. That is that, yeah, I'm always hiring for the right person. So we, because um, we have two, two, basically two parts of our business. We have a full done for you service where we fully do marketing for people and help them really kind of scale their businesses up and then we have a like training education arm where we teach them the same marketing systems that we do for people so basically our whole team systemized our process from the agency perspective and now that's what we we teach people um, we call it the m3 marketing protocol going through three key areas and what people need to do and then let them literally just like swipe and deploy what we spent seven years as a, or six years as a company building out and implementing for clients and yeah that, that's yeah really been quite interesting for us to make sure that we could do that so that when we put together a, a marketing product it wasn't just like a random like facebook ads training it's like cool how do you assess the offer how do you actually assess the market how do you go and build out your niche how do you make sure that the back end works effectively how do you make sure that your tracking is on point all the different stuff that we do collectively um in here when a, a client comes on board in the office and then actually putting that into a literally like documented system someone could just take and, and implement straight away. So that's been some of the big things we kind of been been focusing on over the, the last couple of years to build up to, to now and then really trying to hit the education side much harder because it's just from Why our education? Uh, it's a bit more scalable for us. So it's like, I don't really have the desire to have like, I've got a pretty like literally on the other side of this wall here, pretty, pretty decent sized office. I don't really want to grow that, have a tremendously huge office and have like, you know, a hundred, couple hundred staff or something like that 
about running accounts all over the world. Education, I find, is like my strong point and it's and I like to, you know, be able to jump in and be able to give feedback, insights, input to someone, see them implement it, and then their win be their win versus like from the done-for-you agency perspective, um, number one, we're pretty capped out. Number two, it's pretty hard to find good people specifically for what we do. Like we... The first time I ever had to use like a, a proper recruiting company to go and find people because previously I could kind of find people pretty easily. I'm trying to find people that are at a high enough level when it comes to ads, offer creation, understanding all of that, that aren't already out there doing their own thing, having their own agency has been pretty hard. So that's why it's like I don't really have the desire to always be recruiting for those types of people because most people suck and don't want to have to make them good I'd rather than just <laughs> I don't be think good. that's just in marketing, dude. I think that's like every <laughs> yeah. industry, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, how so have you got around that, man? Because like every interaction I've had with your team over the years, like when did I first meet you guys? It must have been five years ago now. I think something mm. like that. And like every interaction with your team, like you guys are nice. Like they're good human beings. They know their stuff. They're good at what they're doing. Mm. Like how do you, like what's your methodology for hiring people? We, we like culture, cultural fit is always the first one. And like actual, like, are they, are they a good person? Like, would you actually hang out with them outside of work is always kind of the first thing that we look for. And then it's like a base knowledge that we can build upon and a base knowledge that hasn't kind of been tainted because in the world of marketing, as well as any industry, your industry, anything is like people already have a set of preconceived beliefs about what they think that is, how it works, how it should be. You know, they're probably a disciple of some, someone who's got experience in that industry. And they're like, I like to follow that train so we kind of look for someone that's not too ingrained in their way and then educate them on like our approach our view our process for that so it's like having findings to people that have solid base knowledge that we can really like help build upon as long as they haven't gone too far down down one track because with marketing with anything so you've got to be pretty open-minded and flexible and adaptable based on you know new things that happen rather than being like too set and forget in, in your ways totally dude it's, it's funny because that's the exact same problem that we have like when we're hiring <laughs> and then even the other people who have like coached and mentored it's the same thing it's like we all get these ideologies that we follow like in fitness it's like you're either like a poliquin or you're like yeah, yeah. evidence-based or you're vegan or you're fucking paleo or something like that <laughs> there's always like we get these really strong belief systems how, how do you crack those belief systems because i mean we all get them to some degree i mean i was pretty heavily indoctrinated in it in my in my space in the fitness industry like how do you get somebody to come from having an ex- yeah a belief that they're quite set on and get them to mold into what you you guys are doing what's proven and tested I mean, look, the only way that like changing a belief is is pretty hard because it, it literally is a belief. It's like they have to come to the realization themselves, which is where it's like, you know, I have a bit of a background in NLP and things like that, which I've kind of learned over the years, purely because I like, it's very interesting to see how people think from my perspective. But doing that, it's like, if someone is able to come to a realization themselves, it's much more powerful than me saying, hey, you should do this. As, as you would know with the people that you work with, it's like, you can't really just be like, oh, cool, like, do this. This is better. This is why it's better. If someone comes to the realization where they have that aha moment, like, oh, oh my God, like, doing this like this is actually way better. And they come to their own conclusion. It's like, oh, then they think that they're a genius for cracking the nut. And it's like, that's how you, what you have to kind of do. So for me, it's like, I sometimes have to let people, like, make, I'm like, cool, do it your way. Make the mistakes. And then it's like, 
here's what I'm presenting as a belief that you should adopt in the way that you should do things. I'm just going to leave that there on the table. If you choose to take it and apply it and it works, that's up to you. And then most of the time, people are always going to do that. Once the first thing they try doesn't work, they've got to, they've got to try something slightly different, right? So if that's just sitting there on the table, just been sitting there dangling for them to grab, then eventually they're going to grab it, take it and, and test it themselves. And then they're like, oh my God, how amazing is this new thing over here that I just came to the realization of? And you're like, oh yeah, wow, that's, that's really cool. Okay. <laughs> what an amazing <laughs> job you did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you know what's funny though, is that we all do that same dumb shit like I've had mentors who I haven't listened to in the past and then like I'll literally go to them afterwards and like oh hey like I tried this amazing thing and it worked and it made me a lot of money it got me shredded got me jacked whatever and be like yeah yeah James you fucking idiot like that's the same thing I've been telling you to do for the last six months yeah it's funny so what I've always want to know this as well about you guys dude like how much how many dollars have you paid Mark Zuckerberg like how much ad spend have you have you spent over the years like collectively? Yeah, um, collectively. It's it's lots. I haven't done the exact summation, but I know that like through the accounts that we manage, because we're in Facebook's partner program, so they kind of track every account that we oversee, which is at the moment on track for around like four, probably four mil a quarter. So 16 mil a year at the moment is the current spend that's like under our management. And then, yeah, like I wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have been doing that every year, but so like even times that by maybe four, what's that like four? Yeah. Like 60, 50, 60 million probably. That's a couple of dollars going through. Yeah. Just a few, just a little bit of chump change that's gone, gone through to old Zucks. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, but then it's like on the other side, the flip side of it, it's like, it's, it's uh, probably generated a pretty, pretty huge return Um, for most clients that we track you know we the average that we see across kind of most is at least 10 times if not up to 17 times so you know if return on ad spend yeah that's like depending on what the product is and things like that but on average from what we see that goes in versus out like and look some of our clients i wish she was on the mass the other day with them it's stupid like one of them is getting um 100 in his uh, funnel that we helped him uh, reconfigure 128 times return it's costing him $11.71 to make a $1,500 sale at the moment. That's legit. Yeah, it's crazy. So as I said, like that's on average because most of the people that we work with as well, it's like they have to have something decently high ticket. We do work with like Australia's second largest building companies also for them, their, their ROAS kind of pulls our average up a very big chunk because it's like if they go and sell three houses in a month and they spend like five grand on ads, like they're like what their company makes is like it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty big. Like each one of them is, is you know, easily 50 to 100K in profit depending on what, what they do. So their, their ROAS always kind of bumps us up a little bit as well. How'd you get that contract of having Australia's second largest builder? It was kind of weird the way that it came through. So we were doing some Legion. We picked up these guys that were a, they were a sales rep for them. They saw one of our ads registered. Then because... They were as uh, these uh, cheeky building reps are. They're like, "Oh, we're going to see if we can get our company to pay for it." They showed our like product and services to their company. Then their company's like, "Let's have a bigger discussion about what you guys can do for us." And then um, we ended up having a meeting with their head marketing manager. And then they were like, "Oh, well, we kind of want this to be done. Like, we're happy to give these reps the leads." And we'll pay for the service. And then we kind of built a bit of a relationship with them. And then it was, yeah, off off to the races there. So it was pretty cool to get them on board. We were pretty, pretty stoked with that. So, and then I've like gone in and taught their, like trained some of their sales reps up on doing their own self-gen. Did in the middle of, it was in the middle of COVID, just before COVID, did like a big training session for all of their markers. They've got like 
underneath them. So it's like eight brands, I think it is, across from their company. So I did a training session for like all their brands and their finance branch on like on marketing, how to leverage Facebook better during and after COVID and things like that. So yeah, it's been been pretty cool and pretty fun for us to, to work with them on. Totally, I bet. So what got you started in marketing in the first place? Because you clearly love it. Yeah, it was. So the uh, the first, my first exposure to marketing was when I was like fifth, probably 14, 15. Like I'd always been doing like little businessy things as most you know, entrepreneurs were doing when they were little kids or selling bits and pieces. But I was at that time into fish breeding. So ornamental tropical fish breeding was like my hobby. So I would go, I had like me and my dad had like 50 fish tanks in our back shed where we would like take different like yeah species of fish, breed them, sell them, sell them back to fish shops, all that sort of stuff for fun. So that was what yeah, I was doing. 50 and then, fish tanks for fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was, and because we set it, I set it up like, of course, you know, automation, right? So we set it up so that way they could automatically drain, clean, automatically uh, top them all back up, all that sort of stuff. So that was kind of like my dad and I's like hobby. We were like, we got one tank and then we're like, oh, this is cool. Started, you know, Googling, going onto forums, back in the day because it wasn't really like Facebook and Facebook groups and stuff like that. Found a whole bunch of forums and then that kind of like opened up the, the world of, yeah, ornamental tropical fish, which were pretty uh, interesting at the time. So, what, what, what fish are they? I'm like very curious about these fish. Like what, what are they? Yeah, so the main ones we had were a, a species called cichlids, which come from like some from Central America, South America, Africa, Malawi, Burundi, all the places in Africa where they come from, all these like different types. And it's like, it's a crazy world. Once you get into it, it's like, it's goes super deep and it's like multiple billion dollar um, a year industry, the tropical fish industry, which a lot of people don't know as well. They're like, oh, cool. Like what goldfish and koi and stuff. But there's like, and then different aspects of these fish. And it's like, you know, you can get some that are into the several thousands of dollars each. And then you go into the, then there's like the fish. World of, yeah. Then you go into the world of like exotic catfish. And there's some that are like 10, 20 K like you to pay like 30 K to get one. Who um, buys that? Heaps of people, heaps of people. Like it's because they're they're rare. And then if you you get them and you can get a pair and you hope that you can breed them and then you can you know make money from the off offspring. Like as long as you know you don't have things like where we had where one night all our power went off and uh, like all of the fish started dying. So we were like 10 p.m. at night, like out there, like getting battery powered air pumps and stuff. It was crazy. Really? Um, so it's like it's a, it's a crazy it's a crazy world. It's uh and it's very I could have addictive personality as is my dad. So it's like anything we get into is like, I want to learn all the things about it. So I was on all the forums doing all that sort of stuff and it's yeah, it goes it goes pretty pretty deep and crazy. So we just started learning about all of that. And so as a byproduct, I got onto forums because I was posting like I was on there a lot, like after school and stuff. They made me like a moderator and then like an admin of the of the forum because I was helping and always like helping other people out. And um, they were like, we need to get sponsorship because we like it's a free thing that we run. We don't really make any money from it, um, and you know it costs us a lot to have a decent server because there's a lot of traffic. So I was like, cool, what can we do? And they're like, well, we can sell like banner ads at the top of our page and on the side. That's the only thing that we can do to generate money. So we charge like four grand for a year for a spot. And I was like, cool. So why, why would people give us four grand? Like, you know, I'm 15, so I'm just still learning this thing. They're like, well, we get all this traffic that comes here that would probably want to buy their stuff. So they pay us four grand. We sell them a spot and put them in front of our people. And I was like, okay, that makes, that makes sense. And I was like, give me the, can I see 
the amount of people that we get coming to the website every day, week, month. So they send me a dashboard. So I just screenshot a dashboard, put it into like paint or something like that back in the day, whatever it was, uh, before Canva existed. And I just wrote on there, I was, yeah, I was like, this is, you know, like I was like, whatever the forum name is, like monthly traffic, monthly website visitors. And then I wrote an email and I just started looking at all the different fish shops online, stores, all that sort of stuff that would sell those products that would, you know, people on the forum, like people that like stuff that I would buy from people and try to hit all those up because I was buying them for my own fish head. So I wrote, I like BCC'd everyone and I got like, I think like 50, 50 odd email addresses and then just put them all into BCC because I was like, I'm just going to write one email. Can't really be bothered. Uh, I got to get up early for school the next day. So I started writing this email and I was like, cool. I was like, we have a site. We have this amount of traffic. Here is a screenshot of all of the traffic that we have. We're looking for sponsors. We have 10 spots available that we can put on our website. Banners being here, here, here. I've included screenshots of those. And I was like, we have 10 spots available. Um, then this message is going to go out to about 50 different stores. So if you're interested, here is our PayPal link. Here's how you can order and pay. And we're looking for either $4,000 in cash or $4,000 in like prizes that we can then use to kind of like sell for cash or like give sell raffle tickets, stuff like that. That is um, genius marketing for a kid who's never done marketing. <laughs> it's like yeah, you've got like, like scarcity, everything in there in one. Just layer it all together. I was like, I didn't know, obviously. And it, because it was, and that's the best part was that it was legit, right? It was like, I was like, well, we only have this much space on the website. I can't sell more than that. And then I was just blatantly be honest, I was like, I'm going to send it to the 50 people. So, like, 50, 50 of your competitors. And if you don't buy this, you're missing out on all this traffic. <laughs> that is exactly. awesome. So, that was uh, that was the email. So, I hit send and then I woke up the next morning and then they were like, oh, um, one of the, the admin guys was like, Kim, what, what did you do last night? And I was like, I sent out an email and I was like, oh, did I forget to like BCC everyone? Did I put all their emails in there? Did I screw something up? He's like, man, we've got like 20, 30K in our PayPal account and we have all these messages saying that they want to sponsor the forum. It's like basically pu- pulled all of the uh, all of the cash out of these people because they all wanted it because of the scarcity urgency the desire all in there and um yeah pretty much like fundraise all of that the cash for there to keep the the whole thing going for the next year which was pretty crazy so i just like didn't know that that's what i was doing at the time but then i was like oh this is obviously valuable it's like you know it would have been great if that 40k went into my bank account but it was obviously for the forum so that's when i first started like being like oh cool like what what else can you do online like where is the like, opportunities here like obviously people were paying for traffic like you know, why can't they get their own traffic all that sort of stuff and that's like what dealt like drove me down the the route of learning about marketing because i was like cool well if you know something as simple as this forum could do it surely other businesses need it you know if they don't know what they're doing and even just looking at the op- even this the the opportunity of selling that space i was like why like why why was it so hard for these guys to raise funds before all i did was just give the information that they wanted and then offered it to them like surely it can't be that hard so that's you know that was yeah where i started going oh cool like this there's there's more to this internet world and more to this marketing world than kind of meets the eye and i've got to learn more about it and then i take i take it that your addictive personality drove you very deep down that rabbit hole yeah yeah that was uh now i was like oh cool this is all cool to learn so i changed my like ended up changing my um I was at school and i was like oh but i think i need to like still get a you know a university degree to get all this information out so it's like changed my degree that i was going to do and then just try to figure out like how can i how can i learn more about it how can i start what degree about? did you do uh, international business. So, uh, I was how just much did that help you? Little to none. But I mean, I got to meet some cool. <laughs> I got to meet some cool people. But <laughs> I, I should ask that to everyone who comes on. Like everyone who's successful is like, did you go to university and how much did your degree help you? Because it's pretty much going to be the same answer every time. Yeah, because I was like, oh, 
because they always that you're like, oh, if you get a degree, you can get a good job. So I literally was at the time when I went, I was like studying full time, working pretty much full time, like 30, 35 hours a week. Um, me and my sister had just bought a house. It was in like the down, like the last like dip 2008 or whatever it was financial crisis. Um, so doing all these things all at once. And I was like, cool, surely the fact that I'm studying full time, working full time, doing all this stuff when I come out, I should be able to get any job in like in like management consulting, marketing consulting, like it should be easy. And then I graduated and then they're like, oh, so you're a graduate, like what's your like, what's your marketing experience? What's your management experience? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, this is a graduate position. So obviously I don't, I haven't worked in a company doing marketing because I was at university studying marketing so I could get a graduate position. And then they're like, oh yeah, but like what what companies did you intern at and all this sort of stuff? And I was like, oh, like what? I'm meant, I, was, uh, I was buying a house. Like how, how am I meant to intern somewhere for free to learn how to do marketing? Isn't that what my degree was meant to teach me? And then aren't you now meant to give me like a job I'm a, as a graduate? They're like, oh, well, you know, there's about 20,000 other people that have graduated at the same time as you with a similar degree and all varying levels of experience blah 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 I'm like this is a blaze stitch up like well, I just wasted all this time could have just gone and got it you wanted me to have experience working in a job but then you told me I need a degree to also apply for this job well like which one do you want like I should have just gone and worked and then I would have had the experience and then I would probably come in at a higher level than the graduates so it was kind of like I was like oh cool so I just wasted you know three years of time learning when I could have been like I could have worked a second job I could have been doing stuff online I could have been doing whatever to actually make more money rather than sitting in a classroom listening to old people that hadn't run a business. Dude, I still remember my entrepreneurship studies. I, I took one unit in entrepreneurship at uni and the person who was running it had never run a business. <laughs> That's what I mean, right? It's like, it's it's ridiculous. And like, even in marketing, it's like, cool, they still hadn't, this was like 20, I don't know, graduate, like 2011 or something like that, or 20, yeah, 2011. And I was like, they still didn't have anything on social media. I'm like, cool, what about like, Facebook and this is like when I had already started like playing a little bit with ads and stuff like that I was like what about Facebook things like that they're like oh no we don't really cover that and I'm like kind of feel like that should be something that you're teaching us like I'm already doing it and like if I go to a, like if I go to a company am I going to just say no nah, that like, that doesn't exist like you know what I mean it's kind of weird yeah like so, the single most profitable ad platform you have and you don't teach it yeah and I was like this is what back in the days when it's like the cost per click and stuff like that on Facebook was ridiculous where you're like you know compared to now it's like it was the wild west and it's like you just literally like that's when I started learning about like running Facebook ads sending in traffic to like affiliate offers and things like that and it's like I put like 10 bucks in Facebook in a day and I come home and I would like make 100 bucks in affiliate sales and I'm like surely this works and other people in the world would want to use it but they're like no no I don't don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Dude, I remember back in the golden age, I put in $2 one time and pulled out one sixty. dollars It's ridiculous. <laughs> and before I knew what I'd actually stumbled across, I went and spent that 160 on some dumb shit instead of going and putting <laughs> it back in. Like how good was Facebook? Facebook's still awesome. Like we're still doing 10 times ROAS. I'm pretty happy with that. But it's like how awesome is Facebook? Like and, and how, how awesome was it? How even more awesome was it back in the day? Like, do you have anything that you did back in, like, which is just fucking nuts? Like, back when, when the golden age was there and clicks were at, like, cents? Yeah, I mean, like, it literally just be the way that if you wanted to increase your sales and you wanted to get better, decrease your ad ad spend by, like, half straight away, literally all we would do back in the day is, like, chuck a border on an image and you would, like, you would just be rolling in cash the next day. It's, like, yellow border blue border, orange border. And then the next day you'd be like, oh, bang, cost like cost per click is now half a cent instead of a cent and uh, <laughs> like doubled the sales. And then you're like, that would work for like weeks. And you'd be like, oh, cool. Like don't have to do anything for the next couple of weeks. It's just 
easy. It was just and it was all like it was mostly when it was like all right hand right hand side ads only. There's nothing in the feed or anything like that. And it was just like yeah, you, there would be and you just pick random photos of people off the internet. I remember when the uh, what movie was the Hobbit first came out and literally because they didn't really have any links to like copyright and things like that I just took like a screen grab of there was a picture of like one of the hobbits like running on a pile of gold and it was like how to hustle hustle like a hobbit uh, fill your pockets with gold or something like that and just literally screen grabbed it again put it in you know paint and put in some terrible font over the top of it and that was like one of my top performing ads I was just going crazy how much the shit <laughs> ads like crush it absolutely dominate <laughs> It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, man. So, okay. So moving on from, from here, dude, like, so you've done like a, a heap of cool shit. One thing I'd love to drill down on is your addictive mindset. Like we work with a lot of guys who have your addictive personality, rather we work with a lot of guys who have this, this same sort of addictive, like relentless chasing it mindset. And often it's associated with a negative thing. You know, like you hear people like, oh, I should never touch a cigarette because I got an addictive personality, but we don't actually like discuss like the flip side of it. What impact? did that sort of personality trait have on you? Definitely. I mean, like in comparison, it's like I could, because of doing that, it's like if I look at an ad account and I can look at and I can ask like three numbers and I could tell you if the campaign was being successful, if it was not successful and what to change, like without even like blindfold me and give you those three numbers and I can, and I'll be able to pull out if it's being successful or not based on a few questions and I ask for three numbers and if I get those three numbers, I shoot like not cost per lead or cost per sale. Like I reckon I could pretty much pull that out like hands-free, like very, very easily. So for me, it's like, it's sped up my ability to be able to interpret all the stuff because, because I got so addicted to all the numbers, understanding it all. And it's like, if I can actually understand exactly what's going on like this, I can only get better and better results for my clients. So for me, and I, I think it was a book and it kind of made me feel good about it. Because as you say, like a lot of people are like, oh, if you have addictive personality, it's bad because obviously get into bad stuff, it can, can be addicted in a bad way. Of course. Um, but then I read, I read a book, I think it was like Winning in Business by Mark Cuban. And I think, he, um, I think it was him. Yeah, it was, I don't know if that was a book name. It was definitely by Mark Cuban. And it was about when he became a computer salesman. And he's like, I'm going to learn every single thing possible about these computers so that when I'm selling them, I will be the best salesperson ever. And he went from like zero to first in sales in this computer business just by learning. Because anytime someone had a question, he could easily answer it. Anytime someone was like, oh, I've got a problem with this, he knew what the solution was. So he was never stumped and he was always armed with all the ammunition he needed to actually be able to go out there and get that. So I was like, cool, if, if it works for Mark Cuban, surely, like I'm just going to learn everything that I can. It's like, if there's a book, if there's a course, if there's someone speaking about it, I'm going to learn as much as possible in like in the realm that I play, which is in like lead generation. So there's a whole other realm of e-commerce where it's like, I would like, I don't really want to touch that with a 10 foot pole, but that's like, even within Facebook ads, like that's a complete separate like there's a whole other minefield you need to be able to navigate if you're someone who does e-commerce um, and look I I could probably do okay but it's like I my skill set is on the lead generation side and I leave e-commerce for other people who are better at it than me because it's not anything that I want to touch and not anything that I've delved down in so it's like by focusing not only just on learning as much as possible on that and then also going like how can I how can I specialize even within that is kind of what's given me the ability to, to really be able to help anyone if they're running ads already it's like I can easily help identify opportunities for them very very quickly mm. 
So one thing I've also been really curious about with you and your perception on it in marketing, it you get a lot of you get the people sell a lot of shit, right? There's shit out there every on the internet and shit products, particularly in the high ticket and coaching space. I mean, fuck, look at fitness. Like, I mean, for every one good program, there's like a thousand crap things that are just someone trying to make a quick buck. Uh, how do you handle that? How do you make it? So yeah, what's what's your take on it? Is it do you take on anyone? Do you take on people? who like yeah what is your take well like definitely it's like you you want to only only want to work with people who are good it's like if you're a bad human and you sell shit things it's like i won't like work with you have you ever worked with someone like that that sells shit like i wouldn't say that i've worked with no i haven't worked with anyone that sells shit i've I've worked with people whose product wasn't fully optimized yet because they hadn't fully very nice way of putting it fully developed it right it's like but now now over like two years probably since I've worked, since I finished working with them, they've made it better and better and now their business is booming, which is amazing. So it's like for, so for them, it's like, I don't think that they had a, like, I don't think they could properly showcase what they did at the time, but they, but what they did was still good. Like it was, it was definitely help people get a result, but they just had to kind of massage a few things to actually make it better and work. So I've never worked with anyone that I thought had a shit product, did a shit job, anything like that, because I'm like, well, I like, I literally have a tattoo on here, which is like Warrior of Light, which is about, if you've read the, uh, the book The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, he wrote another book called Warrior of Light. And it's like, that getting too esoterical. It's like, a thousand, let's get esoterical, man. <laughs> a thousand warriors of light would descend from the heavens and teach the teachers. And so when I was in doing all the um, NLP training and stuff, I could have gone down the route of becoming a NLP trainer, speaker, educator, but I wanted to do marketing because I was like, well, if I can work with people that have a positive outcome and help the people that they work with, I am kind of like embodying that aspect of it. And I am like, uh, like selfishly, I am helping way more people than if I just got on stage, if I'm Tony Robbins, I go on stage and speak. And yeah, cool. I can have 50,000 people on a UPW on Zoom. But it's like, but if I work with 10 Tony Robbins, then I get to impact 500,000 people at a time versus here and you can impact 50 because I'm bringing all those people to the 10 Tony Robbinses, if that makes sense. So totally. it's like my, that's why I always choose to work with good people that have a positive impact and actually do good stuff because then it's like when they get amazing results for the people that they work with selfishly i'm like ah cool like i help that person if i when i um uh, helped you with your stuff i'm like cool i'm helping the guys that you bring into your program like selfishly for me i I feel good because you're helping them but i got them to you so i'm i did that and i'm like ah cool like that makes me feel good totally can we delve deeper you okay if we delve deeper down the esoteric side for a bit yeah yeah. so what got you actually into reading things like the alchemist and the warrior of flight um because i did started doing a lot of personal development stuff because i ended up getting into my brother actually got me into the world of actually one step back from that so me and my brother decided to start a supplement company at one point in time really just like a supplement like a middleman if you will so we would go to all the wholesalers we would sell their products to like retail customers so we built a website again like that's when i was playing with facebook stuff so i was like cool number one i want to get wholesale cheap supplements for me uh, i don't want to pay full price so if i can get a wholesale account if i can get an abm i can buy a cheap stuff for me at wholesale prices and then anything that's left extra i can go and you know sell at gyms when i'm going to the gym and training or doing jujitsu like all these places and like people want supplements they may as well buy it from me so we had set that up then my brother went into the world of network marketing so he went into went to a meeting with one with a bunch of guys and they had these supplements and i was like okay cool and he came back and he's like and there's a way if you sell enough of these supplements they'll pay for you to get a car and i'm like what do you mean they'll pay for me to get a car? It's like, yeah, if you get to like this level, cause you bring on this many people that sell this much product, like they'll pay for you to get a car. And I was like, cool. I was like, we sell supplements. We already have clients. Like surely we can sell some of this stuff. 
So started selling, like started, became a distributor of their product, signed up for it. My brother was super happy because he signed me up. So he got all the benefit of all the work that I did as well. And so he was, he was super stoked. And then we, as a byproduct of that, most network marketing companies have an underlying, underpinning belief of personal development. Because it's like, you can only grow as much as you're willing to grow yourself. Things like that are like their, their catchphrases, right? Mm-hmm. So then started delving into like um, Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, all that sort of stuff. And that kind of opened up the world of like personal development, looking at all of those things and like, you know, going within to improve yourself to obviously, you know, in, improve and grow in whatever areas you're looking at. So it sent me down yeah, the, the, the deep rabbit hole of all those guys into the Zig Ziglar's, the Tony, Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, John Maxwell, all those different sorts of guys who then lead back to like, you know, like Napoleon Hill, um, Think and Grow Rich, all that sort of stuff. And it's like, as soon as you go into that world again, being an addictive personality, like cool. every, what's every single audio book I can find on like per, Google, like personal development audio books and download them all and listen to them all. Because I used to drive, I, when I was still had a job, I would I lived in, in a place in Perth called Ellenbrook and I would have to drive to a place called Nedlands, which is like two very, very far away places, like about 60 to 90 minutes like driving time. Because again, couldn't get any graduate roles because my degree was useless so i found this role degree yeah awesome degree (laughs) found this found this place in netherlands and i was like cool i'll work there but that took like not like 60 to 90 minutes driving time so on the way i was like you know turn you know turn turn my car into a library and just listen to audiobooks all the way there so listen to that for 90 minutes there 90 minutes home like every day for like What what were the most impactful things that you learned from that phase of self-development um the probably the i think the like two two of the biggest ones like one uh was definitely from zig ziglar which is like if you help enough people get what they want you will get everything that you want um for sure and then it's like i think the ability to deal with which is from more tony robbins i would you know attribute it to but he's probably got it from further up the line which is that's like it's not a question of resources it's a question of resourcefulness so it's like how can you like you don't have to have the resources available you just have to be resourceful enough to make the situation occur which i think is really important it's like that's how for the last three four years it's like i've never i don't own a car or have paid for a motor vehicle i've always got one in exchange for something else for can you example, give me an like, example of that yeah please. yeah so for example like in four weeks i should have a range rover sport arriving fingers crossed delivery coming but i don't pay anything for it i don't it just doesn't cost me anything out of pocket i put petrol in it and that's all how um, do you work that so that's i do we do that in exchange for marketing so one of like my done for you clients um pays for my car and they get their ads done for them which is like I don't have to pay for a car and they get a slightly reduced rate on what we would normally charge because I want a car. So that's the the kind of the deal that we set up. So, and because I learned from all of those personal development guys and Tony Robbins, someone that he worked really close closely with when I was looking more on the business aspect was Jay Abraham. So Jay went down like the rabbit hole of Jay Abraham stuff. And, you know, like we actually got to write a help write a sales letter for him start of this year, which was pretty cool. So we got to actually like work with him directly, which is pretty awesome. And then as doing that, one of the things was like, then I was on his email list and he sent out once a year, he sends out an email offering up a like a slash days of his consulting services in exchange for a sports car of some sort. So when he did, I was like, well, if he can do it, surely I can do it. And then it's like the the whole world of like contra deals and exchange and swaps, because that's what I used to do when I was in the, going back to the days of like running the fish forums, it would be like, cool, you do this for me. I'll hook you up with this. So it's like, I've gotten like from, it's like obviously like uh, motor vehicles to like, partitioning in my office to cleaning of houses like 
food and um, like meal prep dropped off and stuff like that in exchange for things that, you know, we can make work. We went and we exchanged. We took all our mastermind clients down to Margaret River, the wine region in WA. We met a guy down there. When we were down there before, we're like, hey, you want to grow your wine tour business? We're coming down to do a business mastermind. I'll give you a seat at the mastermind if you want to come and hang out. If you take all of our clients on a full day wine tour um, all around the region. And he's like, yeah, cool, done. So it's like all of those things, it's like would have gladly paid for it. But I always like to see it's like, how can we get resourceful and build in our resourcefulness rather than it's like, of course we could just pay for something, but is there different ways of us coming up with it, us getting the same thing? Yeah, that's super cool, man. I've never thought about it like that. And that's fucking dope. I love that. <laughs> I am definitely going to get my next car paid for by somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Why not? Right. It's like you could pay for it, but it's like, but why not like stretch uh, the, the muscle of resourcefulness and see if you can get it for free? A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. Next one. Oh, this is, this is, I think you'll like this, but, um, crypto, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Again, being that I was on, on the internet since a very young age, been doing marketing for like 15 years plus or 17 years now online. It's like being exposed to crypto early on was definitely something that kind of popped up. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, um, crypto of decentralized finance, which is probably something newer over the last couple of years. That's popped Why up. do you like it? Um, I mean, what's not to like? It's like, it's magical internet monies. It's what everyone wants when they go online, right? <laughs> I like real money. I like real yeah. money. I, I, I am also invested in crypto, definitely. But like, yeah, w- what is it about crypto and, and DeFi that you really like? Well, I'll talk about crypto a little bit first and then DeFi because it's slightly That's different. Right. So the crypto space, basically building a currency that you could actually use, which was at, at certain stages anonymous for you, you to be able to transact with people easy and fast. Being that what, what we used to be back on the internet, it's like, think about like five years ago, 10 years ago, even though five years ago, you're not getting instantaneous overnight transactions, nowhere. So if you pay me money, it's probably gonna still take at least three days to clear, right? Even if I have a processing facility, I can process it and it still takes like 24, maybe sometimes 36 hours before it hits my account. PayPal, maybe you can do it, but then it's stuck on PayPal and then you've got to withdraw it to PayPal and they've only just themselves. That that takes a bunch of time to come through. So at that time, it's like, if you wanted to do something, it's like, well, if I want money and I want it now, crypto was one of the ways to be able to do it fast and be able to do it. It's like, cool, I have that in my account. Or like you're trusting someone in the United States to not have doctored up like a a, uh, telegraphic transfer and saying that they said something and then getting held up at a bank point and waiting an extra week and things like that. Like it's, it's very easy for something like that to fall over. And then you're like, cool, you've like, you send like, cause again, when we used to have like physical products and fish stuff or um, supplement stuff, you have to wait for money to clear. And then people are pissed. Cause it's like, oh, but I sent the money to you last week. And I'm like, yeah, it just hit today. So I'm sending it to you on Friday. It's going to get to you by next Friday. Super Just kind of delay, yeah, delay the process. So learning about crypto at that time to me was super exciting to get into about like probably, you know five, 10 years ago, learning about how it works, learning about like mining it. And I was like, well, to me, especially because I lived at home, I'm like, and we already had a, like we had a quite a big power set up where we had um, solar on our roof and all that sort of stuff. Cause we were um, obviously had fish tanks, like take, draws a lot of energy. So like the way that I thought about the time, I was like, basically we have free power. <laughs> got all, like basically we've got all the solar panels like we've got like we got discounted yeah. wattage from the council all that sort of stuff because we had such a big usage so I was like we basically have free power well I did because my dad paid the bills not me so yeah it's very free it's always free when dad pays for it yeah so I was like well if I set up like a little mining rig and start mining different coins and stuff like that I'm basically getting money for free 
there's no no harm in that. So I started learning about Bitcoin, Litecoin, Litecoin at the time, Dogecoin as well. And I was able to like mine and mint a bunch of Dogecoin. And I was like, this is like, I think this is pretty cool. Um, Did you keep so, that Dogecoin? Uh, I, I deleted it at the time oh, because yeah. it was going to cost me the same amount as it was worth to send it somewhere that I could get get rid of it. So I think mm. it was like, at the time I was like, it was like, let's say maybe 20 bucks worth. And I was like, but for me to put this somewhere safe that I can access, because on an old computer, I was like, I'm going to have to spend like 30 bucks. And I'm like- Would have been worth it. <laughs> it, would, it would have been worth 500,000 US dollars. That's how much it would have been worth. Really? If, if I had kept it and didn't delete it at the time. Dude, there's so many like, stories like that. I know a mate um, who's actually, I think it was Gosen, I'm pretty sure. He had two Bitcoin no, two or, or five bitcoins sitting in a wallet somewhere that he's lost. Yeah, <laughs> which is like, That's like over grand over thirty percent. I think it's thirty percent or forty percent of the bitcoin in existence is like lost, lost old hard drives, deleted. Like, sorry, can't get it. Like, it's gone. Yeah. Um, so, like that that to me is like because of how interesting it was and it was online stuff at the time. I was like, cool, this it is. I'm interested in this world to see how it goes. And then always like kind of staying in in touch with it as I was going into marketing everything else. And then like the last couple of years, like, because I thought I was like, number one, speed of transactions, ability for people to be able to use it. People can use it anywhere. We can do stuff instantaneously. A lot of them started looking at, you know, new projects, probably in the last um, bull run that happened, there was like people looking at going, hey, how can we, how can we put like power and electricity into the blockchain being like there's cryptocurrency. And then there's obviously the blockchain, which is the underlying uh, benefit of it all and how they're using that and smart contracts and stuff. And I was like, this is actually like really cool stuff that's happening and, you know, it's going to benefit the world. So I was like, cool, I'm all, I'm just, I'm hanging along for this right and being part of it because it's over time it's going to be a benefit to the world um, whether everyone knows it or not whether they know that they're using cryptocurrency or not and then in the last couple of years like decentralized finance come out which to me is probably the most interesting stuff so for example if we look at it's like decentralized finance for me is a way for someone to become their own bank right which means that you have all of the pros and cons of being a bank you have the benefits but you also have the inherent risk so as an example if you want to, I'm just going to use Bitcoin because most people will know what that is. So it's like if you go to an exchange like a Binance, a, a Coinjar, most people in Australia will know them now. You know, they're sponsoring um, a lot of the footy teams and stuff like that is coming out. So let's say you want to go there and buy it. For them to sell that to you, they have to have it in stock, right? It's not like a bank where they can just like, yeah, we've got money and they transfer it to you. Trust uh, us. Trust us. Have we it. have lots yeah. of money. <laughs> We got all the money. Yeah. Don't don't come and try and take it out though, please. Right. So they've got they've got to have that Bitcoin. So because they are basically a centralized entity, there's people that own it, they have to put money in, they have to take that money, buy Bitcoin from somewhere else, and then have it there in case James wants to come and buy that Bitcoin. You come in and buy it, they charge you a fee to buy it, they charge you a fee to move it, they take those fees, that's how they make their money as an exchange very similar to a bank. In the world of decentralized finance, you're essentially becoming your own bank in that sense because there's a decentralized or what they'll call a DEX, decentralized exchange, where as opposed to going and having to put $50 million into Bitcoin to start up an exchange and then have it there and hope that people come and use it and buy and sell it, they go, hey, Kim, you've got 
Bitcoin and you've got, let's just say like a stable coin like USDT. You've got these two coins sitting there. At the moment, you're not earning any money with them. They're just sitting there. You're not doing much with them. Come and put them onto our decentralized exchange. We're not going to ask you who you are. We're not going to ask you for your driver's license or anything like that. Come and put it here so that when James comes and he's got USDT or Tether and he wants to buy that Bitcoin, he transacts using the stuff that you have here, the the liquidity pool that you've provided, the, the, um, the assets. And when he buys it, we'll give you a cut of that transaction. We'll give you a little a little piece of that pie that happens. So what that means is like for people, they can actually go in and use these platforms very easily. Number one, without having to give all their verification documents and things like that. There's something I think it's like, uh, I could get this wrong, 30 million or 300 million people in the world that don't have a birth certificate, which means they can't open a bank account, which means that they can't have any sort of accumulation of wealth, can't do any sort of transactions, or they're not, they've either lost it or they're not allowed to have one by someone in, someone in power. Maybe it's a, a partner, maybe it's a government or something like that. They're not allowed to do that so they can be kept in, in poverty. But in a decentralized world, you don't need to have a driver's license. Everything that happens is based off of what you accumulate. So if you accumulate cryptocurrency and you have that in your wallet and then you want to go and get a loan, they don't ask you what your earning income statement is. They don't ask you for your PAYG summary at the end of the year. They don't ask you for your last year's tax return. It's like, hey, you've got 100 grand. You want to borrow 70 grand? We'll let you borrow 50 just to be safe so that everyone's safe on those sides. The exchange rate is going to be whatever it might be, 6%. You're going to pay that back. If you don't, we're just going to take it out of the money that you have sitting here. So if you've got 100 grand here, we're going to go and borrow 50 grand. If you don't come and pay it back, we've got your 100 grand. All good. Like no, no stress on our side. And that is what why the world of like decentralized finance and decentralized platforms really excite me because number one, the earning potential on them at the moment is very, very high. And there's like huge opportunity where it's like, as opposed to earning half a percent on your money in the bank or even even just holding your cryptocurrency in a wallet in the most secure fashion, you can get 10% return on your money in riskier processes. You can get 100, 150, 300, 500% return on the dollars that you have sitting there. Yeah. Well, I'm, I was making about two grand a week out of it, <laughs> which is just shit. And I'm a monkey just yeah. out of, just out of DeFi. It's insane how effective staking and liquidity pools are when you have. Um, most people don't know about it. Well, yeah, I'm, you know what, to be perfectly frank, I'm glad most people don't know about it because it's <laughs> helping my APRs uh, and it's keeping my interest rate up high. But it's such a genius concept, like such an absolutely fucking incredible concept. It, it doesn't make sense. Like I remember the first time I went in there and I looked at an, at, at an APY, APR, this is when I was on Pancake Swap to start with, and I looked at an, an APR of 90%, right? Uh, no, it was, it was 70% or something like that. And I remember thinking, this can't be fucking real. There is no way you're paying me 70% on the dollar, 70 cents on the dollar for me to just give you this money to hold here, which is it's volatile, yeah, for sure. But I was going to hold the fucking coin anyway, and you're still going to pay me 70%. And then I remember going and talking with some of the guys, and it's like, we've got a crypto group who we, who we chat with every fortnight, and we're looking at some of those like 200 300% on new technologies, which are fucking awesome, like investing in a brilliant company and then getting like 200% on your investment in that company, which you're going to back anyway, it's fucking nuts, isn't it? Yeah, and it, exactly. And as you're saying there, and a lot of people are like, oh, but that's going to be, you know, like ridiculously risky and things like that. And it's like, of course, but I'm like, and I was chatting to a few guys, like I do a bit of crypto coaching as well. And I was like, have you looked at your bank statements when you have you get your credit card on how much interest you get charged? And I was like, do do the maths on that. Like do the compounding on the interest that they, they charge people and think about that and extrapolate that out over a year or two. And I was like, to be honest, like 
they make more money than we do on even though we have all these DeFi options available. It's like you wonder why why banks have billions in profit is because they we put money in the bank and get half a percent interest from them. Yay. And then they take it and loan it at like 20% a month sometimes or higher, like 25, 30%. And if you and then plus overdue fees and all this other sort of stuff. And it's like they they are doing the exact same exact same thing. And it's like a lot of, as I said, there's obviously in a lot of inherent risk being that it's decentralized. So it's like you can't call up and complain, oh, I, I bought the wrong coin and this happened or I put this money in here and the platform disappeared. It's like you, the benefit of being decentralized is that it's decentralized. The con of it being decentralized is that it's decentralized. Ain't nobody going to make you feel better and be like, yeah, sure, we'll just transfer that back to your account. It's like if you screw up, you're the screw up. It's on you. It's like you've got to you've got to be willing to take that and cut the blow. Well, in, in, a, in an environment in a world where everyone seems to be wanting to make our decisions for us these days, it's kind of nice to be able to accept that risk again. Mm. And exactly. It's like for me, like I remember even putting money in super. I was like, oh, as soon as I could, I was like, I wanted to move to a self managed super fund because I was like, someone's gonna. And this was in times of like the GFC and stuff, and I was like watching my balance go like up a little bit down, up a little bit down. I was like. And either way, every year, some douchebags in there is getting paid. I was like, to be honest, I'd rather me take the decisions because at least then if I have a gamble in something cool and random and it works great, if I don't, like I can only get mad at myself rather than like whoever the fund manager is at such and such superannuation fund. It's like, I got real pissed at him. It's like, but I can't be as angry at myself. It's like, oh, cool. Like the one didn't work out great. But, you know, it's um, the, the opportunity for people to take that responsibility back being that you know and it's obviously there's as I said like inherent risks with everything but being you know how young the cryptocurrency space is and then how young the DeFi space is it's like being only a couple years old it's like the same as as being around in bitcoin at the very beginning and then within the spaces within the space and then you go cool what about things like nfts and all that sort of stuff as well it's like all of them have like crazy um, inherent risk but because a lot of them are still very early or people are still early to learn about it it means that there's a lot of good opportunity and it's like for people taking the right actions and managing the risk correctly it's like you can easily set yourself up like for life uh, by by doing some of these things like i've seen guys go one guy went from that i kind of follow and then joined a group of his is like he went from 40 bucks in basically what would be called the shit coin world the meme coins all that sort of stuff 40 bucks in now has a two million dollar portfolio and that is in the last four five months that's insane and it's like and that's only going to keep growing like the token that he's in at the moment is like it is is very big and it's like he could easily pull out and he will have probably by the time this is done like three million dollars plus us from 40 bucks and do whatever wants. and then like put that into something something that's super stable and gets you 10 percent like guaranteed returns per year in a stable coin worst case five percent it's like do we pull it in 200k us every year any year for forever i fucking not so dude, yeah. where can where can guys reach you if if someone is interested by your marketing your business or or you know crypto how can they reach you how can they find out more Easiest space and place is probably on Instagram purely because I have my link tree in there and that has all the links to, to everything that I that I do. So yeah, real Kim Barrett on Instagram. And uh, yeah, if anyone has any questions or anything, always always happy to help. Beautiful, man. I'll drop up the link as well in there. Well, I'll tell the girls to go drop the link up. I don't do that. <laughs> but I'll tell them to go drop the link up so that anyone can just click on and access it. But man, thank you so much for coming on. This has been really fun. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you, dude. Cheers. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you got something out of it and you want to learn more, 
Click the link below or type in High Performance Conversations with James Can, and you'll be able to check out all the podcasts that we've done. We cover a stack of different topics, everything from getting your mojo back, overcoming anxiety, self-doubt, self-esteem, and learning from some of the industries and some of the world's top performers in both business and in health. Look forward to having you on there.